Chapter 14 Madeleine has the dress that General Dietrich has, is due to collect on a tailor's dummy. He has now entered the room. Paula is listening behind the curtain, pretending to draw around pattern pieces with some French chalk. Good morning, Herr Dietrich. The dress is ready. She walks him over to the tailor's dummy. The young lady is not with you this morning? It is a surprise. You have made many dresses for her. That is true, answered Madeleine, smiling. You will bring her in after you give it to her for her final fitting. I can't get the full effect till I see her move in it. You have other models. He reached out and pulled the curtain back, now seeing Paula working at the table. She will do. Herr Dietrich, she is a designer, not a model. As she spoke, she pressed the intercom, asking for Anna-Marie to come in straight away. Take off your clothes and try on this dress, he said to Paula. The scene of her running through the rain without a coat flashed across her mind, but only for a moment. She will not let that old git ruin her chances here. She nods at him. As the door opens, Anna Maria walks into the room. She was stunningly beautiful. He soon forgot about Paula and is handing the dress over to her. Paula is quite short, said Madalena, directing Anna Maria behind the curtain as she draws it closed. Anna Maria soon steps from behind the curtain. He looks very pleased. Yes, I will take it. Anna Marie heads back behind the curtain saying, I will bring it to be boxed for you. Soon she is heading out the door. As the door closes, he asks, What is her name? Madeleine smiles and says, Mrs. Blanchet. She leads him from the room. Paula lets out a sigh of relief. Paula stood, going through what had just happened. She was delighted with how in control she had been. If Anna Maria had not walked in, she knew she could have handled it. Her heart had not started racing. This is a big moment. I now know that the training has paid off, she said quietly to herself. I must tidy up before Madalena comes back. It was three quarters of an hour before that happened. By then, Paula was sitting, drawing, designing a dress to pass the time. That will not hang well, said Madalena, taking the pencil from Paula and making some adjustments. Two strokes of the pencil and the drawing came to life. What a difference that makes. I have so much to learn, said Paula, smiling down at the drawing. It is a good starting point. Let's find the pattern pieces and pick some material. But first, let's go to the order book and see which client it is most suited to. There are six orders in the book. The dress would suit three of them. I will tell you about these clients and you can decide who
who you will make the dress for. First, look at the measurements of all three, taking into consideration their height. Two are quite tall and the third is a little taller than myself, said Paula. She has said what she wants. I can give her that uh, incorporating my new design. Good choice. You are used to making for yourself. Her shape is very similar. She has left the colour choice up to us. Now we must take into account her colouring and what we know of her fashion sense. She has said that she wants a dress to be pretty yet practical, suitable for day wear. How times have changed in the fashion world. Please God let this war end soon, said Magdalena. A month later, Paula has just put the finishing touches to a beautiful gown and is placing it on a tailor's dummy. What a beautiful gown, she says, standing back to, remind, to admire her own handiwork. Not half bad, she is saying as Madeleine walks into the room. Paula's face takes on a, a rose colour. What is it the nuns used to say? No praise, self-praise is no praise. Very well said, spoken like a true French woman, smiled Madalena. The hand-beading and embroidery is second to none. A letter has arrived for you. Go to your room, take your time, enjoy reading it. Paula takes the stairs two at a time. Please let it be from home. As she reads it, she quickly realises it is not. She starts to decode it. Oh, Madeleine is not going to like this, she sighs out loud. You're back so soon. Paula hands the decoded note, going behind the curtain. She opens the drawer and begins to tear the letter into tiny pieces. Madeleine joins her, doing the same thing. She pulls Paula towards her. Now with tears in her eyes, she says, Go pack straight away. If anyone says anything, your mother is unwell. You are needed back at home. Come back here before you catch the 12 noon train to Coon. Why is it every time I begin to feel at home? Everything changes, says Paula to herself as she closes her case. She heads downstairs into Madalena's room. They look at each other. I will not say goodbye, said Madalena, handing Paula an envelope. This will give you a little cushion. You have more than earned it. As Paula got off the train, there was an unwelcome silence. She followed everyone lining up before a table. Everyone's luggage was opened. The soldiers took whatever they felt like taking. Paula could see there was a lot of bullying going on up ahead. 
Soon it was her turn. She only had her homemade clothes in her suitcase. They took a dress and two skirts. No doubt she'd see them again. The eerie silence soon forgotten. I have no idea what I have to do next, thought Paula as she walked out of the station. She saw a young girl waving and smiling and calling Paula, Over here, Paula! Paula crossed the road smiling. The young girl threw her arms around her. Paula gave her a big hug back. I'm your sister, Lisa, she whispered. Paula pulled away from Lisa. I need to take a good look at you. You have grown so much. How are things on the farm? Like everywhere else, terrible. It will be so much better now that you're home. I brought your bike. Paula now noticed the two bikes leaning against the near wall. This could have been a disaster. Thank you. Thanks to my cork train and I will enjoy the ride in the sun. I'm not going to ask how far Paula smiled and followed her sister down the road. They were stopped twice going through the village and had to show their papers. Lisa seemed to be well known. This is my sister Paula. She has been away working in Paris. Now she is home to help with the harvest. The soldier smiled at Paula. You will be very welcome addition here, I think. Paula said nothing, just looked at him with a neutral expression. Now out of the village they began to cycle side by side as sisters do on a quiet road. Hi, I'm so pleased you got here so quickly. We lost our decoder in a house raid a couple of nights ago. We have been told you are the best. I'm sorry we had to bring you in, in the open. The last guy we brought in in darkness. He was an unknown and that was his downfall. Your downfall is you really have to work with us on the farm and become a family member, which means you are here for the long haul, said Lisa. Paula wasn't sure how she felt about that. Be careful what you wish for. Her new family all stood in the kitchen waiting to meet her, most of them very apprehensive. The old grandmother was surprisingly alert, greeted her with a warm smile, Paula's smile and accepted a kiss on each cheek. Now sitting around a big wooden table, they began to chat. It is flowing freely. The uncomfortable moment has passed. Paula now has a brother, Will, and a brother, John, and her sister. I'm so grateful for you, Lisa, she thought. It would take Paula a little while to get used to having men in her space. Paula is finding it very hard to fit into country life. There's just too much space, Paula said as she stood at the edge of a big field that held most of the horses. 
at least the ones the Germans knew about, the real beauties were well hidden. It was handy to have a forest not too far away. It was a big shock when she realised that the French ate horses the way the Irish ate cows. Farm work was not coming natural to her. She hated the smells. What a difference a day makes, she said out loud as she mucked out his stable. There were always German soldiers around. They seemed to like horses more than people. Paula did her best not to look pretty. Being smelly was far better than German hands on her body. She always wears a piece of old cloth on her head to hide her lush blonde waves. The family were not happy with this at first. Grandma Julia is the only one who understands only too well why Paula likes to be smelly when around the Germans. This is her second war. Lisa is becoming a good friend. From a distance, she laughs. They share a bedroom, chatting away at night when Paula is there, which is not often. Paula also works most nights. No one from Paris would recognise me, she says, looking in a little mirror hanging on the bathroom wall. It's been three months. Every evening Paula takes a cold bath to rid herself of the smell for a couple of hours. At least my nighttime work is giving me great satisfaction. Paula crosses a couple of fields each night to a neighbour's house. Their son Philip is posing as her boyfriend. That way the two can move freely between houses with ease, if there is such a thing as ease during a war. From there, in the barn, below ground, she receives and sends coded messages. Things here are getting very bad, stop. The soldiers have very little, we have little or nothing, stop. We have three in the pipeline, urgent. Co Paula coded the message and sent it. Everyone in the village thinks Paula is after getting engaged to Philip. At least I can get to wear Paul's ring. Philip is a nice guy, medium height, brown eyes. He is missing a front tooth from the butt of a German gun. The only reason he is still here is he runs the dairy farm. The Germans take almost all the product. The town is living on the back underground store they have hidden in the forest. A few pigs and chickens. Not great for the animals living there, but it can't be helped. We skim what vegetables we can, hoping it won't be noticed. Paula, we have a new problem, said Philip, as she arrived one evening. He arrived a about an hour ago, badly wounded. We have lost another safe house. I have given him a lot of wine. 
It's all we have. He is sleeping now. Paula went behind the makeshift wall of crates. She is totally shocked at what she sees. Philip, I need you to bandage his eyes so he can't see. I'm going to get Doc. You can't. It's too dangerous. I'll go. No. Do as I ask. Tell, tell him there is nothing wrong with his eyes. That it is for the safety of those helping him. Paula was heading off on the bicycle that was kept inside the big barn door for just such journeys. There was a perfect crescent moon with a star below it. Paula pedalled calmly as she could, her thoughts racing, trying to take in what had just happened. She could not turn her lamp on and now wished the moon had been fuller. As soon as she saw the shape of the village against the sky, she got off her bike and let the air out of her front tyre. She hid her pump in the hedge. She would risk going through the village. She was stopped and asked for her papers. What are you doing out at this time? She pointed to the tyre. You wouldn't happen to have a pump. Just then a door opened of an eatery. The German officer, officers frequented. An officer seeing her cross the road. Who is this and what is she doing? He was told. I don't recognise her, he said. The soldier cleared his throat and said, It's smelly from the farm. The officer looks her up and down. I will have to bring you some sweet-smelling soap as a gift, he sneered. Shit, 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 Paula screamed inside her head. They let her pass. She headed into the first house and knocked on the door for the lend of a pump. The lady of the house answered, as the Germans watched from a distance. She checked The Germans were watching from the, the, the checkpoint. She passed the message to the lady. The doctor was urgently needed. As the lady of the house returned with a pump, the messenger has already left through the back door. Paula takes the wheel off the bike and the lady of the house gets her a basin of water. They give the Germans a good show while the doc makes his way to the barn unnoticed by anyone. When Paula returned, she had the cable they used as antenna rolled up, placing it on the floor, she says. I know it was well hidden. We can't take any chances. It meant their signal would be very weak but there would be no more messaging tonight. When she had first arrived, she had set up the wire and they were delighted with the improvement in the quality of the signal. Looking down on the makeshift bed, she asked the doctor, 
How is he doing? The doctor just shook his head no. There must be something we can do. He's lost too much blood, said the doctor said very gently. We will give him mine, insisted Paula. I don't have the equipment, said Doc. Look in your bag. He pulled out a piece of long clear tubing he used for airways. Paula looked at it for a moment. Philip, go sterilise it in a small pot, along with three wooden clothes pegs. The doctor looked at her as Philip rushed to do what he was asked. Will you give it a go, Doc? How, what have you in mind? With a syringe at each end and the pegs as valves, we should be able to get blood from me using gravity. When my side is full, we open the centre peg, tilting the tube and then close it off again. Mm, there's a slim chance it could work. Better than no chance at all, which is what he has a moment ago. Paula brought a small table they had and placed it beside the bed. She now went for a chair and placed it beside it for her to sit on. She left the dock to set up, praying like she'd never prayed before. Philip placed the little pot on the table and stood back.